podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, he's hit the post and he's gone in! And one shot treated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith, hello for Russia! That's going to be that! It's John Bond, it's Pearson, it is 1-0 to Derby County! Chris Collins, Melton! What a goal! Another chance for Russell. This time he makes it. The Rams rampant. Hello, Rams fans. It's us again. This is Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast for episode 17. My name's Chris Parsons. His name's Richard Kutcher. Oh. And there's an empty chair next to us for this episode because Tom Martin's away in international duty, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's showing some school kids around New York City. So not as, not as sinister as it sounds. No. Um, no. So know who ram I for? Well, I thought I'd get I thought I'd get a free point. This doesn't doesn't work. Like I that, turned up. He didn't turn up. It's not like Scotland Estonia <laughs> in the nineties. So you've got time to regroup and refocus. Try and redress that eight five deficit that you're down to when we're reunited as a trio in a couple of weeks time so we'll soldier on it's just the two of us we can make it if we try as a great man once said speaking of which Derby County remain in third in the championship on goal difference Uh, the 12 match unbeaten run comes to an end after Derby were beaten 2-0 by Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough Coach, only a third league defeat since early November, which is worth pointing out early doors, I yeah, feel. Um, yeah. A blip or, or a cause for concern, do you think? I don't know. I'm kind of in between. I don't want to get carried away and get too worried because um, I, I feel like we didn't play too badly tonight. I kind of feel like I guess a lot of teams probably have felt when we've done a job on them. You know, in terms of the performance tonight, I feel like we created enough. We didn't really give away that many chances. But we also were kind of architects of our own downfall at times. So you did say, uh, I think that's all we can really do in this in this position, is just unleash a load of stats that, that yeah. back us up. Um, <laughs> yeah. 60-odd percent possession and 16 attempts on goal. But... Yes, we had, yeah, we had 60% possession to their 40% and uh, 16 shots, but only four of those shots were, were on target. They had eight shots and three of their shots were on target. And of course, two of those went in. So really... It was quality in the final third, which which let us down tonight because we, we both watched the game and and Vyman and Vidra both had you know really good chances. Keo had a great header, a completely free header very late on, but it just didn't seem to click for us. I never felt like we were going to score. No, I think in other games we've looked a lot more convincing and efficient going mm. forward, haven't we? And I think that seemed to be what let us down. Just that lack of final quality and composure in uh, in in the final third um was it was it that simple do you think i think so i think definitely composure i think everyone that you know, vidra had a, a chance on his left foot through on goal about midway through the second half and he really snatched it and kind of blasted it away away from goal completely when considering the kind of goals he has scored this season you would have thought he he'd take that quite quite easily i was i was waiting for him to just yeah. smash that across the keeper into the bottom corner but it didn't happen so they, they seemed like I don't know if they were on edge tonight or if it was just an off night um, but they created they certainly created more chances than they did against um, Norwich at the weekend so it wasn't like you weren't opening them up but Sheffield Wednesday were, were definitely there for the taking how, how do you think kind of the team play anyway in general Chris well I mean it's I don't think we did look disjointed really because I think that was what some people were suggesting uh, six changes 
from the team that played Norwich. I can't remember all of them, but uh, the likes of Baird, uh, Bradley Johnson, uh, Nugent all came in, didn't mm. they? And I think uh, on Ledley as well, um, who came in for his first start since Boxing Day. I don't. I, I don't think we're that bad. To no. be honest, it, it was. It was. Um, you know, we could. We could. You could play that game on a number of other occasions, and we'd either draw or win. Um, I mean, I was making a note of all the chances we had, and we had at least half a dozen very good chances where we should have worked the keeper more mm. or scored. I mean, even in the first half, uh, Vyman had that decent header from a yeah. from a, 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 a very decent Chris Baird right wing cross. Uh, then in the second half, I mean, Vyman had two more chances himself. Mm. Vidra had a couple of chances. Um, even Keo had a free header, which he just spooned over the bar with no one around him. Just just one of those nights and not really a cause for overall concern, I don't think, because we are creating and that is the important thing. Yeah, and, we, and, we've, won, and we've won games playing a lot worse than that this season. And that's what I mean about how we feel tonight like a lot of other teams would have felt the way we, we played against them earlier in the season. I don't really think as well, talking about the players, the changes he made and the players that came in, I, I don't think Johnson played badly. I don't think Ledley played badly. I think Nugent had, had a decent impact. I, I didn't see many bad individual performances out there. I just think things just didn't quite click for us in the final third. I still, I don't think we definitely deserved to win the game. But I think, as you say, on another day, we could have won the game. And it felt like a bit of a, champ, a classic championship fixture. It didn't really look like a promotion winning team to me, but and that doesn't mean to say we're not going to get promoted. You look at games like this when you are 1-0 down or, or 2-0 down as uh, as Wednesday scored very quickly in the start mm. of the second half and you just you want just those moments of quality where you're going to someone could just pull a bit of magic out of nowhere and we didn't really seem to have that did we? Um, no. And I don't, I don't think we can underestimate the impact of that second half goal. You know, it, is, it was literally I don't know if it was if it was before the 46th minute but well, we was... barely uh, barely finished our half-time pancakes had we? Before, no exactly. Um, so I think that is a that is a big you know because we don't know how we would have started that second half if if they hadn't scored that if they hadn't scored that goal and two 0 is, is a is a much is a much tougher proposition than one 0 of course to state the obvious. The first goal, Lucas Zhao, or as the Rams TV commentator was calling him, Lucas Joao. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what he calls himself. Yeah, okay, when he scores a goal in training. So Lucas Joao was given a fair amount of space in the area to pick his spot after some good work by. Adam Reach, what went wrong for for that first goal? Do you think we just seem to, unlike normally this season, you know th- those two in midfield normally very solid, we cover the spaces. They just got in behind us, really. And I'm, I'm not quite sure how he managed to do it, but they, it seemed like we were a bit laboured. I think both central midfielders were caught a little bit too far up the pitch, um, and, and they got in behind us. And it was a, it was a decent finish uh, from Joao. So <laughs> I, I think I, I don't think it was terrible defending. I think we just got caught out, which does happen. And, and fair play to the kid because it's it a you know, good finish and, and good movement. The second goal certainly make certainly did make you say Joao. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Was... As, as as I said, we barely sat down ourselves, and um, I'm not quite sure what the move came from. But Joe Ledley seems to be caught a little bit yeah. square, and he's sort of backing off and not really breaking up the play like you'd expect. And before you knew it, Joao. I'm just going to call him that now. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas Joao had um, had sort of picked his spot and, and smashed it low and hard to Carson's left didn't seem to be right in the corner but he just one of those that's yeah. just too hot to get near basically yeah I think I think I, again I don't think you can point too many fingers to that goal I think it was a, a very strong finish uh, from from Joao and um, <laughs> fair play I mean it's, it's a frustrating game because th- those 
the first goal they did cut us open. The second goal is it's a great finish, and and we just we just couldn't we couldn't find a way back into the game. So I don't think it's cause for crisis. We, we're going to come on to talking about Aston Villa later. They're obviously having a good run, and that's why we've given up second. I don't think we've given up second because we've we've had a terrible run. We've just lost one game in twelve, I think, whatever it is. In terms of the team's overall shape, because it is quite difficult to sort of spot how we were setting up. It's either mm. like the usual four-two-three-one or four-four-one-one. You pointed out yourself that we didn't seem to have a huge amount of width down the left with with Forsyth um, and Bradley Johnson, who is left-footed. But yes, isn't a winger. But isn't a winger. Yeah, and, and was John, that was that part of the problem? Do you think? Tonight? I think that was part. I think the width, the width was definitely the problem. And it wasn't just that Johnson isn't a winger. And Forsyth didn't seem to get forward as much. I don't know if that was under instruction or because he's just not that confident because his forward play hasn't been so great recently. But also, if you're going to have if you're going to play with a narrow winger on one side, which is Johnson on the left, Vyman I think needed needed to do a bit more to hug the touch line on the right. Him and Baird didn't really um, connect that much either. Neither fullback got forward that much. So again, I don't know if that was an instruction from Rowett for the fullbacks not to bomb on, but we definitely lacked width. And when we used to have Vyman and Russell, or recently Vyman and um, Anya on the wings, we seem to have a lot more natural width, and, and that does stretch teams. And, and they mentioned on the commentary that you know, Hillsborough is a big pitch, so you know, maybe we should try and use it. Uh, and we definitely did seem to be lacking. We weren't really getting in behind on on the flanks. It was very rare that we got. To, I think Vyman did it once, got to the touch, you know, got to the byline, and, and pulled the ball back, which can be quite effective. We didn't seem to do that very often. The final ball in general was just what let us down. It seems to me from from what I remember about the game. I mean, Vidra was put in down the left wasn't he in the first half uh, had almost too much time to, yeah. to pick out either Vyman or Nugent he put it over Vyman's head didn't he spooned it over both of them Yeah. Um, and then Bradley Johnson got into a couple of decent positions but just couldn't quite whip the ball round the corner behind the centre backs could he no um, and I lost count of the amount of times going back to this this wing issue the amount of times where Vyman particularly or, or Johnson on the other side would kind of work a, work an opportunity play it back to the fullback but then the winger's gone inside and the fullback suddenly had no options out wide no real balls on and it ends up going back to Keogh or Davis or, 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 or to Huddleston a lot of our plays seem to break down we seem to play ourselves into corners on the side of the pitch and I haven't seen that happen so often this season but something just didn't quite click in those wide areas for us tonight uh, we st- but we still created decent chances as you, as you laid out so it's it's a tough one. I feel like we probably should have come away, come away with something, but I don't know. There was some, there was something missing tonight. It, yeah, you're right in saying earlier on that other teams have probably felt as we do now, having played us, mm. um, where you know the created um, almost on a whole in a weird sort of way where they had, when we beat them five nil, they had more chances than us. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, do you remember? But there's no doubt that Wednesday were sort of there for the taking tonight, weren't they? We said that before. Um, yeah, they, were... they had. I mean, they're absolutely injury-ridden, uh, an absolute injury crisis over there. They've sort of got 11 first-team players missing. Only uh, only six of the Wednesday team that beat Derby 2-1 in April, that team that finished in the playoffs, only six of them, uh, sorry, only five of them started tonight, I believe. Six of them are out injured. And a friend of mine who's a Wednesday fan texted me just before we started recording to say he didn't see that coming at all. Mm. And he thought they were on for, uh, for a heavy defeat tonight. But... On the other hand, we are, you know, we are known in this division now, aren't we? Teams, uh, you know, we're up there to be shot at. And do you think it's fair to say that teams raise their game against us more now, now that we are amongst the, the four best teams in the league, in theory? Yeah, yeah, possibly. I mean, and 
if you know you're playing, yeah, if you know you're playing a team which is leading the charge at the top, then you're going to raise your game and know that you're going to have to be at it to have a chance to take anything out of the game. And we, also, also, it's worth remembering. So I to cut in that a lot of these Wednesday players, some of them making their debuts tonight or not getting much game time. Yeah, they're going to want to impress the new manager, aren't they? Exactly. I mean, that, that Wednesday team is sort of a squad in flux, aren't they? Um, you know, no one's pinning down. Uh, you know, no one's pinning down a shirt, so they're all going to try and seize their chance. Yeah, these these results happen. You know, in this in this division, it's it's such a cliche, and I hate it. But you know, everyone can beat everyone, and and it, it's true. These results do happen. Again, if if we lose the next two or three games in a row, sure, panic stations. But I wouldn't be panicking too much right now. I I, I don't think we played terribly. I think we played worse. We played much worse on Saturday against Norwich. So I wouldn't be too worried about it. It seems like the players are all still pulling in the same direction no one's heads were dropping from what I could see and, and we were still creating chances at, at the end of the game so uh, m- move on I guess as we say only the third league defeat since that Reading um, atrocity in early November yeah um, obviously lost to Ipswich at home in between as well and only what the the third and fourth or second and third goals we've conceded in open play in 16 games yeah Um, Yeah. I mean before this game we had a phenomenal defensive record and uh, you know these things happen really I mean it's about (laughs) about time someone scored a screamer against us true was was that a screamer? I think Joao's was the second one was a screamer (laughs) (laughs) Joao I can't stop calling how did you think Joe Ledley started uh, tonight first time or first time for a while since since before Christmas, I believe. How do you think he played? Very solid, I thought. Came off with about 15 minutes to go, didn't he? I think that's because he hadn't started since the whole game just before New Year. Mm. So he's missed a good uh, seven or eight, nine games. Um, yeah, he did what he's in there to do. He's just a little bit more neat and tidy than Thorne. Um, I, mean, I think he came in because A, he's a bit neater and tidier, and B, because Thorne... Did seem to struggle at times. Yeah, against Norwich, uh, gave the ball away in a couple of positions, and I just think he's too similar to Huddleston. I, I think, think Fawn's been struggling since the Millwall game. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm really surprised that Leddy didn't come in earlier uh, in the last couple of games because he's been on the bench for for about three games now. I think Ledley. Yeah, um, and Johnson's obviously been available, so I'm surprised that a few of those changes he made tonight. I'm surprised he didn't make them for Saturday. I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, of course, but I just feel like Fawns looked a bit off the pace, and I think it's a you know it it completely understandable with the amount of time he's been out for, and it's it's a really heavy schedule uh, this time of year in the Championship. So I'm surprised he didn't maybe bring Fawn out earlier, but maybe Joe Ledley still wasn't quite right enough to start. I mean, you know, who knows? Joe Ledley is clearly an important part of this Derby setup because. I mean, obviously he's on the losing side tonight, but if you look at the numbers of the games that he has played in, Derby having played 32 games now, I think, mm. Joe Ledley has started 16. In the games that he started, Derby have won 10, drawn 4 and lost 2. 2.26 points per game with Joe Ledley starting. Yeah. Without Joe Ledley starting, um, played 16, won 6, drawn 6, lost 4. 1.5 points per game I mean it's uh, crystal clear worth a point a game what? he's worth a point he's worth, he's worth <laughs> yeah. an extra point a game yeah Sorry. yeah so you're talking about <laughs> there um, yeah you're right his his influence on the team is clear do you see a way back in now for Thorne and is the second part to that as well is there just too much of a weight of expectation on Thorne do you think that's a factor as well 
I don't know actually because I think that we discussed this a few weeks ago when when Fawn came back in and started started having this run that actually having someone like Tom Hardison there kind of should take the expectation off him. Although I take your point, possibly they're too similar. I feel like if Joe Deadly's fit, I think they should really try and get that Huddleston Medley partnership going again because that was that was definitely more effective than Fawn and Huddleston. I think Fawn's a brilliant option to have to come on and to start the odd game. I think they can rotate those three quite nicely. But I would have thought if everyone's fit and on form, it should probably be Ledley and Huddleston and, and just let Fawn, you know, take a little less profile half season because we were always desperate for him to, to be our saviour and I think he might benefit from not having that expectation. It's just because we all know how good he can be, or at least how good he was in that loan spell. And maybe he has been affected long-term by all those layoffs, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, you're right. I think Ledley was perfectly solid. Um, he was sort of caught on the back foot a bit for um, Joel's second goal. But on the whole, he sort of knitted the play together, as you'd expect. So a couple of moments of quality in the in the first half, I think, when... Mm. He, he, you know, sort of got it in tight areas and just, you know, popped off a little five-yard pass to to someone to just quell the the, the danger, which he's better at than Thorn, I yeah. think. So he did what was expected of him. But was it, was it a penalty on him? The push. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't think so. No, I didn't think so. I either. said at the time, I didn't think it was. We haven't seen replays, have we yet? So I don't know. But at the time, it didn't seem. He seemed pretty angry about it. But often, if you go over too easily, you kind of do get angry about it because you kind of convince yourself that. But who knows? I don't know. We haven't really seen a replay. But do, do Rams TV just not show replays of anymore. controversial instances? <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Not since they got in trouble for it. Just play it safe and just not not show any replays. Yeah. Except for goals. And from what I remember, the ball came across. He got a bit of sort of a suggestion of a nudge in the back didn't he but mm. all the players appealed for it but it seemed a little bit speculative for me I know and we're not really in a position to complain <laughs> about, We've about had, penalties well, at the moment no maybe not we, but we have had a we have had a run of 50-50 decisions go against I don't know if that was a 50-50 decision yet but you know I think back to the annual goal um, we can talk about we'll come on to the penalties against Norwich in a second obviously the Bristol City Chuck penalty we didn't get for Jerome supposedly diving. I don't know. It's been a it's been a weird few weeks. Even though we've only just lost a game, it has been a weird few weeks, and hopefully we can regroup and and bounce back. Uh, so before Derby lost to Sheffield Wednesday, there was that frustrating game against Norwich at the weekend, just gone, wasn't there? Mm. Um, which we won't dwell on too much because it has been talked about elsewhere a fair amount. Um, we did want to salute Vidra's goal there, didn't we? Because uh, he was a bit. Off his radar was off against Wednesday tonight, but it was certainly on for that goal against Norwich. Talk us through it. It was, I, I think, it was his best goal of the season. I mean, he had no right discuss. So when he picked it up, he picks it up on that right hand side of the box, just inside the box, and he drops does the classic kind of drop of the shoulder and, and turn, and then he just pings it in. When I saw the highlights of that game, I didn't expect that was. Well, I knew that he'd scored, obviously, but I didn't expect that was going to be the moment he'd scored because it, it just seemed like he was going nowhere. He had so too much to do. And, and we've yeah. talked. You and you and Tom have talked about it before that he defenders seem to know what he's going to do, but they still can't stop it. Yeah, or at least they couldn't on Saturday. You're yeah. right. He he got the ball from Anya with facing the wrong way and sort of did a, a sort of three three hundred sixty degree sort of pirouette, didn't he? Mm. And then without, I'm pretty sure without actually looking up, just uh, stuck in the bottom corner. Yeah, no big deal. Uh, I, I still think he, he scores. Some, he has scored some good goals this season. Obviously, the Forest goal is going to be a particular favourite, but yeah, it's definitely got to be up there, top three. We won't talk too much about the 
two penalties which Norwich had. Um, I mean, my take on it was the first one wasn't, um, and the second one was. And yeah. they missed the first one and scored the second one. So and, and they scored from the chance <laughs> when the second one before the second one was given. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that it kind of seemed to all work out for the best for Norwich and for us in a way. Lucky to escape for a draw there, really, weren't we? Um, Norwich were the better side in the second half. Yeah, we just didn't seem to get to grips with with how that how they played the game. Uh, you you told me earlier, obviously, it was a free. They played free at the back, and, and and Derby didn't seem to know what to do when they came up against that, which worries me a little bit. If if we can't unlock, you know, free at the back isn't completely uncommon. Yeah. Uh, so maybe, maybe we can talk about this in the second half, but maybe there's you know maybe we could change the system. I don't know, but we'll come on to that after the break but in the meantime uh, you can get in touch with us on Steve Bloomer's Washing you can email us stevebloomerswashing at gmail.com we're also on Twitter at stevebloomerpod uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram as well so give us a like of our page or a follow up there before we head off for the second part it's time for your favourite feature Richard guess to go that one yeah, it's good. Yeah. Been practicing that, haven't you? Zhao. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that again. Um, so, in the previous episode, the goal was, of course, Gregor's Raziak against Rotherham in 2004-2005. Only one person got it right. Who was that? Kevin James Wood. Correct. <laughs> Yes, um, I get a point for that. No, you don't. Oh. <laughs> As it's a given these days. Uh, so, well done, Kevin. All you have to do is simply tell us the season this goal was scored in, not the scorer, the opposition, and what's the other thing? The score. And the score. That's Result. the one. Result. <laughs> Getting rusty. Tell us those three things. Uh, get in touch on Twitter, drop us an email, send us a Facebook message, and we'll give you a shout out on the next podcast, and we'll see you after this brief burst of John Motson. Derby's Dawkins dancing. Looks here for Wisdom. And Wisdom still. Wisdom. Bryson. Flipped in. 3-1 Derby. Craig Bryson's deft, cute touch gives the Rams a two-goal buffer. Now again. There's Villains. Asanovic. Hello again, it's Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast with me, Chris, and him, Richard. Hello. No Tom, he's in America. So part two, it was about ten days ago now, but we've got to salute big Tommy Huddleston's first ever Derby County goal, haven't we? Just because I can remind you of <laughs> you, Richard Kutcher, saying about three weeks ago, Tom Huddleston's never going to score for Derby County. Stop shooting. Yeah, I said stop shooting, Tom. <laughs> and I, I, I stand by it because he did actually score from half a yard out. Um, I don't believe he's ever had a shot closer in. So my advice to you, Tom, is stop shooting from outside the penalty box. Hasn't scored for Derby from a, a proper shot. No. Hasn't scored a real goal. Doesn't, he really. still hasn't scored, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some it, it was on the half volley, but it was about four foot high. I yeah. mean, I, what I, I loved about it was that he um, he's never rushed in possession, is no. he? He takes so much time and he's so composed on the ball, sometimes too composed even for us watching him, mm. uh, that he should he should hurry up a bit with it sometimes. But even when he was presented with his first ever Derby goal in 14 years, 
you know, still like, I'm going to take this on my knee first, then I'm going to put it in. You know, don't don't rush me. <laughs> also, it, it <laughs> don't, looked, don't do this my way. I th- it did look like as well he scored it, and obviously he reacted to scoring it. But it's only a couple of seconds later he realised, oh, I've scored that goal for Derby, which yeah. has taken me 500 years. Oh yeah, I haven't scored this decade. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, no, a great, it's a great moment, and you could see from the other players' reactions it clearly sort of meant a lot to him and to the team as a whole it was an important goal as well it was the opening goal in that game it so. was it was opened the floodgates that and the sending off so looking looking forward more generally at this season Derby now still third on goal difference um, in the championship level as it stands with Cardiff who won um, who beat Bolton in, was it Bolton? yeah, it's yeah right, it was Bolton in the week so it's getting bunched up nicely but Villa obviously sitting pretty in second in the second automatic promotion spot at the moment we've had a look at the sort of the next six for Villa Cardiff and Derby so Villa's next six massive game for them away at Fulham in Mm. their next one then for Villa it's uh, Preston at home Sheffield Wednesday away good side them I've heard Um, QPR at home Sunderland away and Wolves at home a real mixed bag there but I mean obviously we're on that incredible run at the moment seven straight wins yeah which has rocketed them up the table obviously there's not much you can do about that really no regardless of Derby's uh, failings recently if any team wins seven games in a row they're going to climb at least seven or eight probably more places in the league aren't they yeah and it was always going to happen that some one team was going to do that and, and a lot of us thought that Villa would be that team so I don't think we should be so surprised the hope is that it doesn't become 12 games in a row you know mm-hmm. um, and I think looking at that fixture list they've got Fulham away will be a tough game I think Fulham have been they're the other team I fancy to to possibly gate crash a top two as well so uh, Fulham top be, two really for Fulham. I, I think I think Fulham outside of Villa and Derby I'd say Fulham have got the best chance I, I think more so than Cardiff so yeah I mean if Villa come out of those six games still unbeaten or even if they win most of them then you can't. You've got to hold your hands up and say that they deserve to I mean, go, yeah. go up automatically ahead of Derby, don't you? Really? Absolutely. I think we need we need for them to do a job for us because Preston, Sheffield Wednesday, QPR, and Sunderland aren't the most challenging games. Preston, yeah, actually they aren't the most challenging games. To be honest, for for Villa, Preston at home, uh, obviously Wolves at home at the end of that run, uh, but Sunderland, Sunderland, QPR, Sheffield Wednesday. I, I mean, mean, they're gonna. Oh, they're Sunderland away actually, but anyway. Those are Villa's next six. Uh, Cardiff, for them, who are now level on points with Derby, with a game in hand, let's remember. Bolton at home, Middlesbrough at home, Ipswich away, Bristol City at home, Brentford away, and Barnsley at home. So difficult to gauge what's going to happen in these games, but would you say that's easier or harder than Villa's next six? There's not much in it, really. I think there's not much... I think it might be a bit easier, but I think Cardiff aren't as good. So I, I, I would expect Cardiff to still be dropping points along the way. You know, Bolton away, Bolton at home is that? Um, I mean, Bolton have been actually on some good form. Oh, they've just beaten Bolton, haven't they? So. They've just beaten Bolton. Sorry. <laughs> so well done, well done, Cardiff. You've just beaten Bolton. But uh, you know, Borough, Ipswich are pretty unpredictable teams right now. Uh, Bristol City is a big game. Uh, but Cardiff, I'm just not too worried about Cardiff. I can't see them. If if we play badly, Cardiff will finish above us, sure. But if we want to be serious about top two, I, I, I think we've got bigger fish to fry than Cardiff. And then for Derby, uh, it's Leeds at home next. Uh, no game this coming weekend because Sheffield Wednesday are in the cup and this game got moved forward. Um, so Leeds at home, Reading away, Fulham at home, QPR away, 
Forest away and Cardiff at home. Um, for me, we I think we've got the six. I think that's the, the hardest run of six games out of those three. Yeah. I think. Um, we all know what Reading, what happened against Reading earlier this season. Leeds is always a big game because they're usually up for it. Um, Fulham we beat last season, but they're on a great run at the moment. QPR, I'd like to think we should win there, but it's a bit up in the air at the moment. And obviously Forest, local derby, and Cardiff as well. So yeah, um, a very, very tricky six games to negotiate there. I think- I'll be absolutely made up if we're still third on goal difference after those six games yeah if we're, if we're still in touch with Villa after the next six games I think we'll be pretty happy um, yeah it's, they are, there is a tough fixture list looking at that again I mean Leeds I mean, but, you've, you've, but these, we've got to win these games if we, want to, if we want to get top two then we've got to be going into these games confident and as we said earlier it's not all doom and gloom I think we're still playing decent enough Um I just think Rowett needs to... I, I was listening earlier to a different podcast and they were saying how Steve Bruce at Villa is really... He's just getting everything right at the moment. You know, he's getting everything right. But that's what people were saying about Rowett about exactly. six weeks ago. Exactly. And Rowett can, Rowett can start having that kind of that kind of run again of, of getting things right. And Bruce was under pressure at Villa as well. Yeah. yeah. People were saying they were losing patience with him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think he just needs to get some... I feel like he's been a bit more hesitant recently with his selections, not just from the start of games. I mean, I mean Gary Rowett, I mean. Not just from the start of games, but also in his substitutions seem to have been a bit later in games recently. And I feel like, as I said before, that he maybe could have made those changes tonight for Saturday. So I don't, I don't know if he's questioning himself. He, I mean, he's an experienced manager now. He's managed promotion run-ins before. Uh, he seems to know his own mind pretty well. He just needs to start getting the best out of that squad again. Yeah, I'd agree. Well, anyway, on Aston Villa... Clearly, uh, they're, they're the form team at the moment. Seven wins in a row, as we said. Uh, Steve Bruce was under pressure before Christmas, but they've sort of turned the corner well and truly now. And they're now second in the league behind Wolves and above Derby. So, obviously, things are looking pretty rosy over in West Midlands at the moment. And we spoke to, uh, with respect to the, the Villa View podcast and their man, uh, Dan Bardell, who filled us in on Villa's progress. Uh, so we asked him, you know, obviously Villa are the form team in the championship. Uh, have we seen the best of them in recent weeks or can they perform even better? Uh, to which he replied, I think we have just clicked. The balance of the team is perfect at the moment and everyone is contributing. Obviously with every win we become more confident so there's no reason why we can't perform even better. Fulham away on Saturday will be the true test They've really hit form, and as an attacking team, they contain a lot of pace and guile. Put it this way, we couldn't be further away from the team that visited Pride Park in December. We were rank that day. They were. So obviously they're aware of how much they've come on since then. And we also asked them who's been the most influential in that seven-game run they went on. Uh, What do they have to say for themselves there, Coach? Well, he's he's really picked out Jack Grealish, uh, which, I mean, that kind of worries me, because Jack Grealish really is... He is a good player, and we saw a good player a couple of years ago, and he, I think he had a bad injury. And it sounds like they've got a system which is getting the best out of him, and he's he's creating, creating and scoring goals for them. So Dan said, um, Grealish doesn't know how good he is. He glides with the ball in a sort of effortless fashion. Uh, Dan said, I've always thought he's been quite hard done by at Villa. Lots of managers, no stability, playing out of position. It can't be an easy place to grow up. He's come back from his injury and put, some, put in some serious gym work. He possesses genuine power now and his work rate is actually something that's really overlooked. 
we also sort of um, asked the Villa view, um, you know, was automatic promotion the expectation amongst Villa fans in August? Um, you know, because obviously they're amongst the bigger spenders mm. in this division, uh, you know, 12 million on Ross McCormack, about the same again on Scott Hogan, 50 million on Codger. Big um, wages for John Terry. Yeah, wages for John Terry, uh, Yedinak, Hurahan, Glenn Whelan, you know, the list goes on, there's plenty I've missed there. And uh, Dan replied to that question, now, it was the owner's expectation, automatic promotion was the target, playoffs as a minimum. It hasn't always looked likely, but the board deserve great credit for sticking with Steve Bruce, who's come under pressure at times, but the manager has generally handled, handled himself well and always stressed that he needed a bit more time. Nobody saw this run coming in December, but now there's a genuine belief that those pre-season ambitions can be fulfilled. This is the thing. They've said there that those Villa fans think they didn't see that run coming in December. Yeah. Much like we didn't see our run coming in, um, in November, the month mm. before. So it can come out of nowhere, and it can change quickly, which is important to remember it seems to me yeah definitely that, 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 this league is all about momentum it's been about momentum for as long as I can remember watching watching this league when we got promoted back in the 90s and then we had that, that that huge run so I mean and Villa are the ones that have the momentum right now and, and it's hard to look beyond that isn't it I mean you, you always think oh this is this is how it's going to be now but they're going to they're going to win another six games in a row I mean, they have got a very experienced manager in the division, and they have got a team which is well balanced between a bit like ours, well balanced between experienced championship players with with experience of promotion and 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 some more uh, talented players and, and younger players. So they they do look daunting to me. We and we said it a few weeks ago, and they they proved us right. They just seem like the sort of team that once they did come good, that they they might not go for another sticky patch. You know, once he did get it right, mm. they would really kick on from there. We're now in a position where we'll see if that actually happens. Yeah. But as I know, that's just a sense that I get. Do you think that's possibly true? and maybe maybe make it a lot easier for ourselves if we all just accept now we're gonna we're gonna be in the playoffs <laughs> and start preparing emotionally for the playoffs. That's sort of first third defeat <laughs> since November and we're already planning where we're gonna try and sit if we get to Wembley. Um let's not look quite in those in those terms just yet. Let's keep those keep it's the gla- keep the glass half full. Better than finishing eighth though. That is true, yeah, yeah. Or was it ninth last season? I don't want to know. Yeah, forgotten already. So the final question we asked Dan Bardell from the Villa View was: uh, Do fans now believe Villa have what it takes to make second place their own, or are they still fearful of being pulled back into the playoffs? Um, to which Dan said: The tougher games we have are at home, and personally, I think we have a decent run in. We're very good at home. Villa Park is something of a fortress, a far cry from the factory of sadness it had become a few years ago. For the first time since we've been in this league, our destiny is in our own hands. We haven't been in the automatics at any stage since we got relegated. Uh, Villa Park's galvanised. We have a group of players who seem determined to do it. We have many with talent and a mentality to match. We also have a manager who's used to the pressure of the championship run-in, and that could be crucial. You guys, Derby, are our main rivals for second for sure. So that April fixture at Villa Park could be the decider. I mean, if it gets to the point where we're still under a chance of second by the time we play Villa away on our last away game of the season, I'd, I'd bite your hand off at that. Yeah, I think, I think I'd take that. I think I'd take that right now, for sure. I mean, they certainly sound confident, don't they? I mean, uh, Dan definitely sounds confident at Villa, and they have had a, a tough couple of years. I mean, I mean, I would say we've had a tough decade, but um, yeah, they've had they've had a tough couple of years in Championship. It does take a while to does take a while to adapt to this league but they, they seem to have finally done that now and obviously Steve Bruce was uh, was a good appointment and it was good, good of them to stick by him there's not much we can do really is there uh, but it's important to 
Raoult stressed before to not react too badly to defeats in the same way that you try not to get too carried away with a streak of wins. I'm just reminding myself of the fact that we haven't lost two games in a row under Raoult yet. Yeah, that's true. Important to remember. What sort of test do you think Leeds will provide on uh, uh, next week? I mean, they've been a funny one, Leeds. So they haven't really, apart from the, the they started, first, they started pretty well, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, apart from the first month or two months of the season, uh, they haven't really performed that great. But they still managed to stick around, just about in touch uh, with with the playoffs. And obviously, they now brought in Hackingbottom from uh, from Barnsley, um, who I don't think I think they lost his first game in charge, um, but. They've still got a half-decent squad there, and maybe they'll get that new manager bounce. We seem to be playing a lot of teams with new managers at the moment. Um, maybe they'll get that new manager bounce. But I, I still expect, you know, we need, to, we need to win. We need to win against Leeds, and uh, I think we've definitely got it in us to do that. Um, we, can, we can do a job on them. I think we just need to turn up and be a bit bolder and start getting that teams right from the beginning again. No Tom Lawrence against Sheffield Wednesday in the game that we've just witnessed. Do you, mm. think, do you expect him to come back in? Possibly. I don't think it really worked with, with Bradley Johnson on, on one side and, and Vyman on the other side. I think Tom Lawrence probably needed to be taken out the firing line a little bit. Again, surprise it didn't happen earlier. So I, I'd, I'd expect him to come back in. Cause we, we did, we did, although he hasn't always produced in the final third, he, he definitely can produce in the final third. And I think, we, I think we, we missed that tonight. So I expect to see a bit more creativity brought, brought back into the starting 11. I was going to mention him in the previous episode just what Tom Lawrence is doing wrong not even not even what he's doing wrong just what what's sort of limiting him and stopping him from producing the sort of form we saw for him at Ipswich last season um, I mean watching him against against Norwich and to a lesser extent against Brentford um, he does just seem to take too many touches sometimes and against and, Millwall yeah and sometimes he does just run into trouble doesn't he and almost as if he's trying to, a bit too hard I think mean, that's what we said before didn't we yeah he's. Tr- I think he sometimes tries too hard by taking too many touches or trying something which is not the basic thing and and, and getting it um and, and getting it wrong and then as a result of that it seems he seems to get his head down and then do the easier things not so well yeah um and then gives the ball away in in positions where he's got no right to give the, the ball away you have to say as well that as much as you hate to say it for a five million pound marquee summer signing um his delivery from crosses just hasn't been good enough yeah, no, it hasn't. It hasn't been his set piece. His set piece has kind of deteriorated over over the course of the season, uh, which is probably a confidence thing. So I think it's probably good to take him out the firing line, whether it's for more than one game or not. We'll we'll wait and see. I, I kind of do trust Rowett's man management skills. I think we've seen that over the course of the season. His man management is good, so maybe he just needs to to kind of work out what his approach is going to be with Tom Lawrence. And now, obviously, just finally before we go, the pressure. Is, has been ramped up a little bit on Cameron Jerome and David Nugent due to Sam Winnell's mm. season-ending injury. Do you think they can cope? I think I think they can cope, and I think we can cope as long as they both stay fit. I, I don't really f- see it as a big problem if if those two stay fit because Winnell was only getting twenty minutes here and there, uh, and the odd start uh, and, and his last couple of starts he didn't make too much impact. So um, I'm not too worried about it at this point. If one of those goes down. And is unavailable for a couple of weeks. Uh, I think we'll, we'll be a, we'll feel a little bit short up, up front. But I'm not. Too, I'm very sad for Sam Winnell. I think he's a good player and he's a useful squad player. But I don't think it's it's the end of you know. I don't think it's going to ruin our season at this point. Some crucial games coming up for Derby County. That's for sure. In the next few weeks, we're going to leave it there for now. Just do two of us more often, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think so. Tom, Tom can uh, stay in uh, New York. Tom who? 
<laughs> uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks after the Reading game and before the Fulham game uh, for episode 18. You can get in touch with us, as I said before, on Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod. Please give us a retweet or even better, uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. And in the meantime, Richard, thanks for that. Thank you very much. It's been emotional. Very. See you again soon. Thanks for listening.